Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cracking for Code. This is the series where I, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, attempt to make my way through Jonathan Hickman written House of X and Powers of Ten, the new X-Men series going on at Marvel here in 2019. And in Cracking Krakoa, what I'm doing is I'm talking about some of the reading orders and theories and history of Marvel Comics that are playing a pretty big role in House of X and Powers of Ten. If you're unfamiliar with these series and what's happening in these comics right now, I will be talking about events that happen in these issues. There may be some spoilers. If you want to go in totally fresh to House of X and Powers of Ten, I would recommend avoiding these, going reading the issues, and then coming back for the context. What I'm going to be talking about today is the history of the alien race known as the Phalanx. Okay, They've come up in Powers of Ten, number two, in a big way. And uh, this alien race, they've played a role in X-Men history in the 1990s when they were created. Technically, there's sort of a stealth origin in the 80s I'll talk about a little bit. But they actually are named in the 1980s. And then they have some pretty sporadic appearances throughout the Marvel Universe. So if you want to know about the Phalanx, this alien, they are a techno-organic race in the Marvel Universe. They are, you know, sort of a, a cybernetic alien that come in and basically what they do is it's a little invasion of the body snatchers. They invade individuals, sentient life, organic life, and, and sort of invade them with their technology. And they take them over and become a hive mind where they all operate together sort of as one. So it takes away free will for the most part. Um, it takes away sort of, you know, what makes you unique and individual and brings you into the collective phalanx. That's the type of alien race that they are. As you can see here in the video, if you're watching on YouTube, again, the channel's at Comic Book Herald. If you're listening on Best Comics Ever, I recommend you check out the YouTube channel as well if you can. Um, but I've got a phalanx reading order up on comicbookherald.com. That's where all these Kraken and Krakoa histories are published currently. Um, if you want to check it out, you can always find more in the show notes as well for links to these guides. Without further ado, let's get into it. So in Powers of a Ten, number two, the Phalanx are introduced as sort of the, the ultimate in alien galactic intelligence. They are referenced as what is termed ascension for the mutant future of, I believe it's a thousand years into the future, right? That's That basically ascension means we become a part of the Phalanx, which is interesting. We don't know a ton about why this would be considered a good thing. Typically, the Phalanx are enemies of the X-Men. They are considered foes because, again, they are trying to subsume organic sentient life and bring them into the Phalanx really against their will, right? Generally, people don't um, submit to to Phalanx, uh, you know, their, their takeover willingly. There are, of course, exceptions, and that's actually what I'll talk about here. So I mentioned very briefly in the reading order, there's a stealth origin of um excuse me of the the 1980s new mutants run by chris claremont and bill sinkevich there's uh, Ad uh not adam warlock actually he's just warlock is introduced a new mutants character in issues like 18 through 20 which is the demon bear saga and he's a part of the technarch and actually let's let's show you warlock here on the youtube vid just while i'm talking about it because he will play a role here so the technarch is a technarchy sometimes are an alien race that are ultimately connected to uh, the phalanx, okay? Generally, the way they've been introduced. So in the 80s, Warlock's introduced. He's part of the technarchy. They're techno-organic. And this introduces the transmode virus, which is a, a virus that the technarch, uh, their race is 
typically trying to spread, which also kind of infects organic sentient life. Warlock is actually a mutant of the Technarchy race. Now, what we come to learn later is that the Phalanx are an alien race. They're sort of a spin-off of the Technarchy, and they, um, they, the Technarch and Phalanx don't really get along. What we learn in Powers of Ten for the first time is that the Phalanx have actually been playing the Technarch all this time. So let's talk about the origins here, because I mentioned most people don't give in to the Phalanx virus willingly. There are, of course, exceptions, such as mutant-hating Cameron Hodge. So this is where the Phalanx really take off in the early 1990s in a story that went on to become called the Phalanx Covenant. Uh, you have Cameron Hodge, Stephen Lang. If you don't know these names, basically what you need to know, they are mutant haters. They they take on all sorts of of agendas, extinction agendas, uh, in the 1990s to try to disrupt and dismantle mutants. And they, in this Phalanx Covenant, which published about 93, 94, they actually willingly accept the transmode virus into them. They accept the Phalanx in efforts to destroy mutants. In their origins, before they're even named, in comics uh, written by Scott Lobdell with art by John Romita Jr., and I love, I loved going back for the John Romita Jr. Uncanny X-Men, early 90s Uncanny X-Men art uh, at this point in time, as you can see here with the Archangel vs. Cameron Hodge, you know, they, they the, the Hodge and the Phalanx are making a move, right? They're trying to become these techno-organic beings that can essentially take out mutants. And again, I've got the issues listed, but basically we've got a hodgepodge here from like Uncanny X-Men 305, 306 on through about 320 with, you know, the actual issues listed again in the comic book Herald reading order. You'll also find some really fun early 90s, like I said, John Romita Jr. art during this time period, but also, you know, subplots like Sabretooth Captured in the X-Mansion, which is one that is near and dear to my heart because of X-Men the Animated Series. Um, So if you've been hankering to go back and read some 90s uncanny x-men post chris claremont run this is actually a pretty good opportunity to do so i would say all in all the phalanx covenant is a pretty uneven affair but it is frequently uh it is frequently compelling it is frequently interesting and again if you haven't read like this stretch of 1990s comics, it's kind of a good excuse to do so to get a feel for the phalanx. I don't think necessarily, you know, I've kind of described this alien race in the Marvel Universe as needed. It's not the go-to wreck that I would make, the origins here in X-Men, the phalanx covenant. I would actually recommend you jump ahead to the series we're going to talk about next, the modern annihilation conquest for an understanding of the phalanx sort of at their modern best. But if you really want their origins, and again here they're named by Scott Lobdell and Joe Matarura, which is a name I don't know how to say because I wasn't actually a 90s comics collector, but obviously was a big player in X-Men and a big player in co-creating the Phalanx. I should mention here, Phalanx, are they have a co-creation credit that is attributed to Scott Lobdell and Joe M. and uh, Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz as well because of the fact that they sort of stealth um, created them in their, their New Mutants run with Warlock. So... The Phalanx come, Cameron Hodge and Stephen Lang, they're plotting to infect basically all mutants. They sort of accidentally wind up with a plot that could infect all of humanity. Uh, Some interesting things that the Phalanx Covenant leads to, uh, Generation Next is one of them. So we have in the the previous image here, we have basically the Phalanx, they um, begin capturing 
not new mutants because they're not you know quote unquote new mutants but what is going to be generation next so characters like monet husk um a handful of others of course that would be a part of the new series generation next and then they also sort of bring to life Douglock, which is the uh doug ramsey he was cypher in the new mutants he's been long dead here he sort of makes his return as a phalanx infected transmode virus infected Douglock. So if you don't know where all that stuff comes from, that's something that's going to be referenced in X-Men comics for a good long while. And of course, you also get a whole lot of good phalanx-infected individuals in the artwork here. So that is more or less the phalanx covenant. Again, it's a big crossover. It spreads across Uncanny X-Men, X-Factor, um, really any X-Book that's going on at the time. I would recommend checking out the Comic Book Herald reading order for the actual issue by issue breakdown of those comics and of course you can see that right here i've got it published and again here's the actual issue by issue breakdown that you can check out okay from there we get a very brief mid 90s return of the phalanx in uncanny x-men 343 and 344 this is again joe mad on art he is kind of redesigning the phalanx um you know, which he helped design to begin with in the early 90s as these uh, sort of more like symbiote looking kind of 90s cool type aliens you can see here. So this is a short issue or a short story where the X-Men are out in space. They find the Shi'ar Empire sort of taken out. I would actually really recommend um, if people, if you are interested in 90s renditions of the Phalanx, again, because the history isn't that convoluted uh, or there isn't that much to it, I would recommend checking out these two issues. They're pretty fun and you it's interesting to see like within three or four years already the creators, Lobdell and Mad, are, are redesigning the Phalanx and turning them into uh, you know something that kind of looks more like what they what we expect them to look like now um, here in the 2019 Powers of Ten series. So that's sort of a, a quickie, and then really they're kind of quiet until the 2000s event Annihilation Conquest. Okay, this is when the Phalanx come back somewhat unexpectedly. And they, they really make a play here in the follow-up to Annihilation, which is one of the best Marvel Comics events, um, really of all time, definitely of the 2000s. Conquest isn't quite that good, but it is interesting. It's a great part of really one of the best Marvel Cosmic like runs of all time from about 2005 to 2010. It's a must-read if you're interested in that time period, and I would make a case that really anyone interested in Marvel more or less should be. So in Conquest we get the the phalanx they plot to sort of take over this there's a gap kind of in the cosmic landscape that the annihilus's wave the annihilation wave sort of leaves a gap of you know like destruction behind and the phalanx step in to try to infect and take over everything so basically any tech that is used can be infiltrated by the phalanx and i should mention you know this is written by dan abnett and andy lanning one of the best things i think that they do here is they take the phalanx and they take this idea of a techno organic virus and they really stretch it to okay if we're using all this technology all the time that's actually a danger um in the in the hands of the phalanx and then of course the other really cool thing that they do and, and i should mention too it kind of has the feel of like a zombie comic where you know now when the phalanx take people over it's it's very much like they're zombies and the and the other really cool thing 
that Annihilation Conquest does is it ties the phalanx to the Earthbound villain that it just makes a ton of sense once you see it on the page, and that's Ultron. So Ultron is shot into space in the pages of Mighty Avengers, the Brian Michael Bendis series that launches, I believe, right after Civil War. There's a, there's a story arc where Ultron takes on sexy Jan Van Dyne body, um, Everyone involved is very sexually confused, and, and the story ends with Ultron being launched into space. Here he has returned to his more typical Ultron body, but he teams up with the Phalanx, and he kind of becomes their leader, even though they are very much of a piece. Um, but it makes a ton of sense when you think about Ultron and his motivations. You know, Ultron is a character who is, you know, he sees the flaw in humanity, and he sees his first directive of you know sort of taking over humanity and, and exterminating them in order to create a more perfect society the phalanx are on a very similar page you know getting everyone onto the same wavelength now i think ultimately ultron and the phalanx like are sort of at odds but they are definitely they're using each other here to to you know take over the galaxy so that's more or less the plot of annihilation you get some some kind of wild introductions here like for example the guardians of the galaxy they get their start here in this story so it's a must read for a whole variety of reasons but definitely it's it's my pick for a modern read for the phalanx because it's it's the best it's the best use of them that we've seen and it's it's clearly the most prominent use of them to this point in time okay from there there are some not a ton of phalanx stories, but there are some like uh, Transmode Virus and definitely, you know, Warlock and Technarchy type stories. And I should mention too, like Warlock plays a role in the pages of um, Annihilation Conquest. You know, he's he's one along with the Magus, another member of the Technarchy who comes back to try and stop the phalanx and, and Ultron. You know, they're kind of the, the wild cards that come in and help take out that alien threat. But there have been stories you can see in the reading order, like in New Mutants, Dead Souls, and Uncanny X-Men, Wolverine, and Cyclops. Actually, you know, these are the um, Matt Rosenberg-written X-Men stories that he was doing prior to Hickman coming on to House of X and Powers of Ten. There's a whole lot of Warlock and Transmode Virus and a lot of that playing into the, the New Mutants of today. We don't know at this point in time if any of that's going to carry over into House of X and Powers of Ten. But definitely if you want to see, like, how these viruses... It really is just, like, people are infected and kind of take on a hive mind of you know shared shared understanding and shared thought but otherwise powers of 10 is where the phalanx come back hopefully now you have a decent understanding of what this alien race is i think they're relatively easy to grasp i think hickman is adding complexity to them in a way that is uh, going to make them less easy to grasp, certainly over time. You know, there's been, I think, okay, there's a, a symbiosis and a connection between the Technarchy and the Phalanx, but now Hickman's got it where the Phalanx have been playing everyone all this time. And if we look into the future, they are the ideal of a galactic race and, and sort of like what is possible in terms of achieving utopia or perfection or as they term it here ascension and i think it's really interesting to look at the phalanx as the ultimate end of really what is turning out to be sort of a machine versus mutant story um you know it's sentinels versus mutants i think in a lot of ways right like so far and at the time of this recording i've read house of x one and two and powers of ten one through three it's not really a mutants versus human story and it's definitely not a mutants versus mutant story. You know, Magneto and the villains, they're, they're trying to bring all of mutant kind in together as one. And the phalanx and sentinels, they represent this sort of human-made machines 
escalating to a degree that is actually the ultimate threat to mutant kind, which is interesting. You know, there's sort of two forms of evolution. There's mutant kind, and then there's like artificial intelligence. So we're going to see that continue to expand, I'm sure, in these stories. I think, again, if you want to find more about the phalanx, come on over to comicbookherald.com. You can read all about them. And I'm going to be back here with more Cracking Krakoa as I obsess over what has been the most fun I've had uh, reading X-Men comics in a good long while. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. Check out Comic Book Herald really anywhere online at Comic Book Herald. Um, you can listen to the podcast at Best Comics Ever. Uh, music for the show, if you're listening on the pod, is by Anthony Weiss. You can find more of his music at anthonyweis.com. Please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Tell a friend. And, uh, you know, come on and check out some of the great content over on comicbookherald.com when you get a chance. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, enjoy the comics. Enjoy the comics.